Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. On this episode of the Front Office Podcast, Sean comes in. We talk post-NBA bubble. Congratulations to the Lakers for winning title number 17. We talk a little baseball. I don't know how we keep getting political, but we're going to try to stop that. Let's get going. And we are back with another episode of Front Office Podcast. Joined again by the esteemed Sean Gant worker. Sean, how you doing today, buddy? Uh, can't complain. Can't complain. I, I'm missing basketball, uh, <laughs> certainly, but there's enough uh, interesting baseball and draft-related stuff happening that it's, it's kind of keeping me occupied. Plus, uh, my beloved Chicago Bears are accidentally 5-1, and one, so uh, what, what do I have to argue about, you know? You know, you, you you can't argue with with your Bears being accidentally five and one. Um, I told you they were going to beat Tampa. I think you're going to become a believer now. Uh, Nick Foles, man, Nick Foles. Yeah. By the way, I know this isn't a football podcast, but why are we arguing that the Bulls, the Bears, haven't beaten anybody? They beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who then went on to whoop Green Bay. You know, six ways to Sunday, and suddenly the Bears win doesn't count. Like. Just because Brady didn't count to four doesn't mean he was going to make that drive. So, no asterisks. Five and one is five and one. I'll take five and one over anything less than that any day of the week. Um, like you were saying about basketball, you know, it's 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 crazy. I was thinking about this the other day. You know, we had a full season in play. Then COVID comes and it stops the season. Then they tease us and create this bubble. They bring basketball back. And now basketball is going again, and it's like, oh my goodness, I, I don't know how I feel about that. You, you, you. As soon as it comes, it goes away, and now we don't know when the new season is starting. They're saying mid January. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm missing basketball already. It's so weird having that big question mark. Like, I'm sure they have tentative plans, and I really do think this MLK day uh, that's leaked is probably. Uh, probably more likely than not, but just that air of uncertainty, it really is driving me crazy. Because honestly, the season next season, if this hadn't happened, would be just about started, you know? And uh, instead, uh, we don't know that. We don't know when uh, uh, the quote-unquote summer leagues are going to be. And we, uh, we, we, like I said, just a lot of question marks still hanging in the air. You know, the draft is coming up in a couple weeks, and... You would think that this, I'm putting up air quotes, this summer league would come right after that. But I don't know if a summer league can come around mid-December. I, I don't see how that can happen. Maybe they'll just go straight from, from draft to training camp um, first, second week in January and go from there. I think you're probably right. I think it'll be a lot like the NFL uh, season where it's just draft, boom, work out your players for maybe two to three weeks season bam uh i think that's what they got to do because there's just they're kind of operating in borrowed time you know i i 
I don't think the season's going to start at that uh, MLK Day. I don't think the season's going to start until the spring, actually. You have to kind of see, and the reason why I say that is, you have to see what kind of baby this COVID and flu season creates. Um, it's, we're getting into flu season in the next week or two, November, December, January, and you're not going to know what's flu. You're not going to know what's COVID. And January might be just a little bit too premature, I, th- I think. You know, I'm not a doctor. I just play one on television. But <laughs> but I, I, don't, I don't see how that's possible in January with, with you're at the height of flu season with COVID and you don't know what's going to happen. Well, here's the X factor, right? It, it depends on the vaccine. It, yes. Um, if that happens, and I tend to believe it will I don't know if it's going to be, not to get incredibly political about this, but like a very late October surprise for, um, for, for, for one candidate or the other. But I, uh, I believe there is significant progress being made and not to get even more political, but I tend to believe circumstances in, tend, uh, in terms of how we are treating this virus, uh, whether you believe it to be treated too seriously or not. I believe after the election, a lot will have changed. And uh, kind of the complexion of this uh, of this outlook will change as well. You know, that is um, something to really think about. Um, you know, the the elections about a week away, a week plus away. And maybe someone is just sitting back saying, ah, we're not going to pull this out until mid-November. Now, if that is indeed the case, you know, hey, let's just let's just find a vaccine and get it over it, regardless of exactly. of what candidate wins or loses you know, people need to get healthy and we need to get back to life. You know, I'm, I'm hearing a bunch of restaurants, California Pizza Kitchen and TGI Fridays are filing for bankruptcy. And it's like, hey, come on now. This is affecting our, our this is affecting jobs and, and the way that we live. And, and we have to kind of get back to reality. And the only way we can do that is if a vaccine does come. Well, exactly. I mean, and stepping back into basketball we run into the problem uh, with Toronto, mm-hmm. where if the country is closed and uh, international travel is uh, is still prevented, then there's going to be a whole world of issues. And that's why you're seeing uh, speculation about them maybe playing out in Louisville or, or maybe not. And the easiest solution with giant air quotes involved is simply that the country begins to move towards reopening uh because we either believe that we're closer to a vaccine than not, or it's simply completely imperative that we allow small businesses to open and accept the inherent risk, as bad as that seems. And then basketball, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not a huge priority, but as the country opens up, that's just going to follow uh, follow along. You know, but the crazy thing about it is humans are so stupid. And, <laughs> and the, the entire... Every government of every country could say, hey, we have a pill. Everyone stay home next Sunday. No one moves. You take this pill. By Monday morning, everyone's cured. No, people would still not do it, which is insane to me. Uh, Exactly. It it is unfortunate, but sadly, it's part of the kind of the deeper polarization with uh, whatever quote unquote side comes up with the vaccine it's in the best interest politically of the other side to uh, invalidate it, right? Of course. To say, um, so uh, I like to believe that the greater actors 
of our non-political nature will say, look, no, 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 this helps. This helps everyone. Boom. But who's to say that Trump doesn't announce a vaccine in a week and uh, it's politically expedient for someone else to just be like, no, 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 we can't trust this, uh, <laughs> at least until Biden has a look over. So uh, uh, once again, election is going to tell a lot either way about where we are in terms of getting normal life back and uh, basketball back. Well, hey, if you really want to see some great reality TV, that debate is, is, is something awesome to see, I guess. You know, it's, it's, it's comedy, it's drama, it's a little thriller. You know, it, it's all that all bowl, rolled up in one. But finally, there's a mute button. And I, I would love to have that mute button. I would just push it just to push it, just to mess with people. You just push it for me. Yeah, I know, right? I've, I, you're muted already. No one heard you. <laughs> oh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's like sports now, right? Uh, Biden appears to be up with the lead late in the fourth quarter, and he's playing prevent defense. And uh, Trump appears, uh, if you believe the polls, to be driving a little further into his uh, – into it towards his uh, his end zone, so we'll uh, we'll see what the strategy is uh, in terms of aggression tonight. But uh, that mute button, oh boy, oh I think boy, we'll get at you. Is but it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a fun X factor. Hey, so so prevent defense, and that's a great segue. So again, I'm a Raider fan, and one thing that I've always been taught: prevent defense prevents you from winning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've been taught that as a Raider fan. Um, the whole offensive line. For the Raiders, um, one of the Trent Brown came into contact with someone with COVID, so they sent the whole of offensive line um, um, home. And now they're they've moved the Sunday night game versus Tampa to Sunday afternoon. I don't know what difference that makes, but they may cancel the game in itself. And we just had our bye week, so we may just lose that game. Um, just somewhat as what Tennessee was going through a couple weeks ago. Um, we may have to forfeit the game. We'll see what happens. But it, does the does the NFL, like we talked about this a couple weeks ago, the NFL, are we going to get through an entire season? I think we will. But whether that be because we uh, stupidly ignore warning signs or things get better, I don't know. I think financially um, it would be catastrophic for the NFL to to cancel the rest of the season. And obviously I'd like to think they would put lives ahead of all of that. You would think. And not go deep into inherent risk. But remember what we were hearing about why the NBA had to come back? Um, oh, yeah. Because of the CBA, right? Yeah. That essentially it would have been invalidated uh, without the completion of a season and the television contracts therein. And what the NBA was able to do was basically was uh, – not call it a wash, but basically make two hundred million when they could have lost about you know a couple hundred billion. Uh, the NFL, of course, is entangled even deeper with multiple networks, a lot of contracts, and it's it would be um, the worst case scenario, I think, for Roger Goodell to make that call and the owners to make that call. So what I think will happen is we may see the season potentially put on pause uh, for a few weeks. I would say probably three weeks at the most, or uh, we see them try to install uh, more flexibility to the schedule, uh, however possible that may be. But I'm still not at the point where I think they call it. You know, speaking of the NBA losing money, Daryl Morey um, uh, quit slash got fired. And I read an article that that tweet cost the NBA about $400 million. Um, so yeah, the NBA was not in the business of trying to lose any more money. 
No, um, it was uh, however you believe uh, that played out on Daryl Amores, and uh, there was certainly the the literal red flag of China hanging over uh, alongside the pandemic, and uh, it was both politically expedient, financially expedient, and depending on how you believe, uh, for the sanity of the nations having sports back, maybe even uh, psychologically expedient for NBA to find a solution, and uh, they did, and I think the fallout uh, being not as financially significant as, as it was, and really Daryl Morey, uh, unfortunately being collateral damage, I would bet that the NBA would, would take that trade every time. I, I think you're absolutely correct. Um, I Houston still um, hasn't come up with a coach yet. Um, it looks like either John Lucas or Jeff Van Gundy one of those two will come out the the winner of the Houston Rockets sweepstakes. I'd like to see Jeff Van Gundy get the position, but John Lucas does have a great rapport with players, so I would love to see him uh, on that staff to in in some great capacity. And and I think it, but I'd love to see Jeff Van Gundy get that position. Um, his brother Stan got the New Orleans position, so I would love to see the Van Gundys back in the NBA. And I think it would be fun. Uh, I don't doubt Jeff Van Gundy um, can still coach, whether he can coach up to the level he did uh, for the Rockets a decade ago or for the Knicks even longer than that. That I'm uncertain about. As for John Lucas, um, while I think it's important that he has a good relationship built in with those guys, my uncertainty with John Lucas is, uh, do you really want to keep that team together on a long-term basis? If that guy has great relationships with James Harden, yes, he's probably on that team. But Russell Westbrook, uh, Robert Covington, you know, uh, P.J. Tucker, Eric Gordon, like those are the pieces you need to start looking to get rid of if you're going to try to contend again Mm -hmm. or you run it back and obviously luck into injuries. And if the selling point on John Lucas is that those guys like him, well, that's hardly much of a selling point for me at all. So. I would lean towards Van Gundy for that decision, but honestly, I'm not in love with either of those two options and uh, aren't entirely sure why uh, the innovative minds in Houston aren't expanding the search, uh, why they were so quickly to eliminate it and pare it down. You know, and even and even going back to Stan Van Gundy, I, I think he's a great X's and O's coach. I'm not sure if he is the right fit for the Pelicans with the amount of youth that they have. I don't know if he can, if he can relate to the Zion Williamson, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram's. He he can more relate to Drew Holiday, you know, yes. and and JJ Redick, but I'm not sure. And Derek Favors, but I'm not sure if he can relate to the younger guys. Um, you know, I, I I think that a player, a former player probably should have got that position to help those players both on and off the court. And remember when Stan Van Gundy had his issue with Dwight Howard, I just don't want that same issue to, to present itself with uh, Lonzo Ball and Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram. And and I'm not sure if that's going to work. I see from the X's and O's standpoint of it, but I don't see, I hope it works, but I don't know if it's going to work with Stan Van Gundy. 
I have some uncertainty there as well. I think what we learned from Stan Van Gundy initially in his career was that he was capable of uh, adjusting on the fly, whether that started off being uh, Pat Riley's almost protege in Miami, only for him to get that team into a winning situation and for Pat Riley to kind of yank the rug out from under him. Oh, yeah, I remember uh, that. Then transition. Uh, I mean, it's it's a, a, a black mark on, on Pat Riley's moral resume, but you can't deny he probably made the right choice. Oh, yeah. He got a title out of it. Oh, yeah. Um, and then if you remember in Orlando, that was Billy Donovan's job. Uh, yes. That Stan Van Gundy basically inherited because Billy Donovan had a crisis of conscience. And mm-hmm. then uh, Van Gundy goes, he makes those pieces work. He essentially revolutionizes the game of basketball kind of to where it is today. I would say him and D'Antoni more or less helped establish uh, these spacing, uh, these, you know, these pacing space offenses. And uh, what did it do? It earned him uh, Dwight Howard's lifelong derision. <laughs> it helped cement Richard Lewis as uh, the second highest paid player in the NBA for a little bit. You can thank but Otis Smith got, for that. <laughs> right? But then again, it also got him a uh, Courtney Lee missed layup away from having a puncher's chance against a prime Pau Gasol and a really good Kobe Bryant. Oh, so yeah. uh, Van Cundy can coach. He can definitely he coach. Detroit pretty formidable, and uh, he kind of hung himself by taking on too much player uh, personnel responsibilities. So I can absolutely see what David Griffin sees in him, but like you, I think there's a heck of a lot of personality on that team. Oh, yeah. uh, between Lonzo Ball, J.J. Redick, the acclaimed podcaster slash three-point sniper, mm-hmm. uh, Zion Williamson, who's really going to be feeling himself, uh, Brandon Ingram, who is a really fascinating character, and then every other personality they got on that team. So it wouldn't have been my pick, but I completely see the logic, and I do think that team improves under him, maybe not to title contention, but certainly uh, probably uh, start threatening for the seventh and eighth seed within two to three years. Yeah, like I said, I think Stan will have those guys playing some great basketball. But I think that there's, in this new day and age of the modern player, I think that Stan, I can't see Stan putting his arm around Zion and saying, hey, this is what you should do off the court. And this is what you, I don't know if that works, you know. Um, Whereas a Ty Lue, uh, Chauncey Billups, and I know they're both on the same staff now with the Clippers. Those type of players, I don't know if Mark Jackson will get another coaching job, but those types of, of coaching, I mean, coaches can relate more to it. They can help be teachers on and off the court, and I think that that's what those young players kind of need. They need to see someone who's kind of been through it, you know, and I think that's why Brooklyn and Steve Nash might be a great fit because Steve Nash went through it and he excelled at a very high level, and Kyrie and Kevin Durant will listen to someone like that instead of, you know, because they have something in common. I, I think so, too. And like you said, it's it's going to be very important for Stan Van Cundy to try to manage those personalities. And a lot of it is going to be getting his staff together. Mm-hmm. Now, in the past, uh, his last year in Detroit, he did have some some ex-players. Yep. Whether that be Tim Hardaway, you know, Aaron Gray, Malik Allen. But I would think he would have to take a little more risks maybe see if he can offer that lead assistant job to somebody uh, almost of a Jerry Stackhouse nature, you know, that is an up-and-coming coach that will probably threaten your job in two to three years. But until then, 
can offer you the respect that a Jason Kidd offered uh, a Frank Vogel, even though Frank Vogel is an established coach, you know, a youngish guy. Uh, so you you obviously need to mitigate personalities, and uh, it might be a tall order. I certainly will agree that I think uh, if Steve Nash wasn't offered Brooklyn, uh, it would have been real interesting to see him with his hands on uh, New Orleans. But oh yeah, all, I'm, all I can say is I'm excited. Oh yeah, I, I would like to see. So that kind of leaves uh, Dan Tony out of the coaching market. Um, I, I think he might end up on Steve Nash's, uh, you know, coaching um, uh, tree. Who knows? That that will be fun to watch. Exactly. I mean, I would. I think that I never would have said this a week ago, but maybe that is the most likely option. Unless Sam Presti is going to pull a rabbit out of his hat and re- retool that Oklahoma City Thunder roster one more time to contention and just offer it to D'Antoni, then I really would agree that he has two options. There's a third option I don't think he'd do, which is do what his brother did, go to college, uh, no, get your money, build a program. But I think he doesn't have the patience or the youth for that. No. So, yes, um, be a lead assistant for Steve Nash or work for the league office Honestly, preferably work for the G League. See if you can be around Brian Shaw and that developing program. And uh, Mike D'Antoni is a very international guy, you mm-hmm. know. He has uh, Italian roots as oh, both yeah. a coach and a human being. If he can be part of that NBA international as it starts to grow, it might be in his best interest in terms of just simply scouting talent and making connections that he take that step back and uh, get a little free time to just grow and develop. So... One of two options for me, work with Steve Nash, help be the X's and O's. I think that's a wonderful idea because I think that Nets team, if configured, can challenge for a title as soon as next year. Or, yeah, take a step back, work for the league office, work for the D-League, uh, just just get some rest. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about OKC is, I think, the only team left without a coach. And, I mean, Houston, but he's not and, I mean, Houston, right? right? Uh, yeah, Houston. well, we're not counting Houston, right. Um and they have to figure out what to do with Chris Paul. I know he he kind of resurrected his not his career, but he resurrected his brand. I think um, in OKC. I think now you have to hand the keys over to SGA and you and those picks. And I don't know if Dan Tony, like you said, has the uh, um, youth to do that. But going to with Steve Nash on a and and adding to Steve Nash's uh, repertoire, so to speak, and and kind of helping Steve run that offense might be in the best interest. But who's left for OKC? There's no one left, I don't see. that. that you know, Mark Jackson's not going to get the OKC job. Um, I mean, Van Gundy's probably going to go to Houston. I would love for Van Gundy to put Mark Jackson on the staff. I don't know if Mark Jackson has the... I don't want to say he lacks humility, but I don't know if he has the humility to go under Jeff Van Gundy in Houston, but he might, it might be something that he knows that I have to do this in order to get to my next job. I don't know. Maybe Jason Kidd goes to OKC. Who knows? I mean, I don't think uh, Mark Jackson will get another job, right. uh, a head coaching job, frankly, probably ever, or an assistant coaching job, unless somebody vouches for him. And that would have to probably be a guy like Jeff Van Gundy. Right. Because I, uh, his time in Golden State did not end well. Right. And it was beyond basketball reasons Definitely. that uh, we don't need to go in there. Definitely. In terms of Oklahoma City, 
Jason Kidd, I think, would be interesting. But I think, once again, you do run into some personality issues. Uh, his time in both Brooklyn and Milwaukee uh, were not seamless. Right. Uh, if you believe he truly humbled himself, then, then absolutely commit to him. But I have three names I think uh, Oklahoma City should consider. Okay. One of which, uh, based on text messages with you, I think yep. he might uh, you, you might protest about, but we'll see. Um, number one being Dan Craig. Yeah. Uh, lead, lead assistant for the Miami Heat. Uh, basically followed Eric Spolstra's exact uh, career path. Great player development guy. Uh, key part of that offense. Think he would be a good idea for Oklahoma City to gamble on him. Yep. Uh, Wes Unsell Jr. Okay. Architect of the Nuggets defense. Has coached offensively, actually, for uh, Golden State and uh, Washington Wizards in the past. So he can do it all. And I already Third know who you're going with the guy. third one. I already know where you're going and with the third three, one. number three. Yep. <laughs> Mr. Kenny Atkinson. <laughs> yep. The guy who single-handedly saved Joe Harris, Spencer Dinwiddie, and Karis LeVert's NBA careers. Yep. Um, clashed heads with Kyrie Irving and maybe Kevin Durant and has res- promptly received no interest at all this offseason. So uh, those are my three. I think Kenny At- Atkinson... <sighs> hmm. I-, I can see him going to get back underneath that, that Greg Popovich... Um, uh, branch and kind of just sitting there uh, with Becky Hammond and just kind of sitting there and waiting, you know. Um, I I I can kind of agree with, but there's a connection there with Sam Presti as well. Um, and 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 Atkinson would have time, but Sam Presti's going to retire the OKC. He's going to stay there till he's 85, so he's okay. So he can kind of they'll be patient with him to pick his next coach or two or three or whenever um i i so for that i can see him in okc Wes unselled i i don't i don't know if he goes to okc just because i don't know if if you know what now thinking about it i do i can see that so you might be on to something there sean and one more name for you uh started out strong this uh off season now, for some reason, not getting any traction, Ime Yudoka. Yes. Another one of uh, Popovich's guys. Yes. Uh, seems like players absolutely adore him. Another yes. player development option. Yes. I think that I would that be the fourth name I stick in there. Definitely. I mean, and there's a connection with, with San Antonio with Presti again. You know, um, I, I do. It's going to be very interesting um, to see that. I know your guy, Billy Donovan, is in Chicago. That That's going to be awesome, I think. I think Billy Donovan. I, mean, I, can't wait. I, I think that that is going to be like amazing, especially with that pick. Um, back to Houston, though. I really feel it's time to blow the team up, and I don't know if Jeff Van Gundy will take a restarting team, you know. But at the same time, you can get a lot for James Harden and for Russell Westbrook. You can get something for PJ Tucker. You can get something for Eric Gordon. You can get something for Robert Covington. You can hit a restart and get. 15 draft picks just like OKC did. I just don't know if a Jeff Van Gundy or someone of that stature will want to do a total youth movement. I think my biggest concern was I don't know if their owner does. Right. I'm not sure he's ready to call the wash. Um, I think Tillman for uh, Tita, while he wants to cut costs, certainly, and uh, I'm very skeptical about how he's gone about that. I think if I were running the team, yeah, I'd start breaking this thing up. All but the way. 
I mean, absolutely. Like, no reservations. Blow this thing up right now. But I I don't think he will. And uh, I I think that's kind of unfortunate. Because I tell you what, um, right now, um, you look at teams that are capped out, like Milwaukee, and even, frankly, the Clippers, who need to swap bad contract for bad contract, they got to be salivating over the thought of guys like P.J. Tucker and Robert Covington being added to already teams that have a championship core. Oh, yeah. Uh, You can get stuff for that without a doubt. And in doing so, you can package bad contracts like that Gordon contract, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe even Westbrook, and start moving moving forward. Uh, And I think they should, but... Yeah, I don't. I, I don't run the team. I don't think they will. I, I have Westbrook going to Charlotte for that number three pick, um, and a combination of, uh, of course, they'll have to take back Batum's contract, but that's okay. They'll just write that off. Um, yeah, a future pick, maybe a Miles Bridges, and I can see. We talked about this the other day. I can see James Harden going to Chicago for some of that youth, a Levine, that number four pick, maybe Laurie Markin, and 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 you know teams like Houston. Portland's about a year away from that as well, a year or two away from that as well, where sometimes you got to blow it up, man. And and especially with the, the, the top heavy Western Conference, you know, I, I'm of the, the mindset of, you know what, I don't want to keep getting the eighth seed, the ninth seed, 10th seed. I'd rather just lay low for a couple of years. And then when all those teams get old, it's just going to be Dallas, New Orleans, and pretty much that's it because... In another year or two, if Ty Lue doesn't do anything with the Clippers and they keep getting bounced in the first, second round, Kawhi and Paul George are probably going to opt out and go somewhere else as well. And there's that added sense of urgency, right? Yeah, definitely. if I am in that Western Conference, I'm asking myself, can I beat the Lakers? And uh, I made a list, actually, of teams with some configuration this offseason that cannot stand pat that I believe can challenge the Lakers. Okay. And it's um, it's a it's a small list right now, right? Definitely. Uh, I have an asterisk next to the Clippers. Yeah. I think if they are very savvy and uh, manage to try to uh, trade Lou Williams and Pat Beverly and some of those contracts and get a little more shooting and a little more depth, then sure, maybe. I believe the Nuggets are a few very savvy movies away from really being in their faces. Oh, yeah. I believe Golden State, as configured right now, and frankly, after the draft, will give them a fight. Yep. And I believe Dallas uh, could probably make the proper moves to compete next year as well. Other than that, I believe Utah, unfortunately, is uh, almost capped out to a point where they can't do it. I do not believe Portland uh, is going to make that next step forward. I believe Memphis and Phoenix and... uh, Minnesota and uh, and the and the Pelicans are a couple years away. Definitely. So if I'm the Rockets and I see that the decision seems very clear to me, especially given the fact that the Thunder have a head start on rebuilding right now, and every other team is better than me and younger than me as currently configured. So blow it up. You know, I I, I heard some rumbling that uh, Washington and the Warriors may be moving that Brad Bill for Wiggins number and the number two pick, which I think would help Washington, you know, and I also know it will help the Warriors and that'll keep the Warriors continuing to be relevant for the next three years, four years, you know, uh, Portland, you know, like I said, again, you want to continue. I mean, except 
for a, a year or two ago when they went to the West Conference Finals. They're going to keep being the seventh and eighth seed and keep getting bounced in the first round. Um, New Orleans and Dallas, Denver, they have very bright futures. So they can just stand pat and just wait for these other guys to just fall off. You know, Houston, I, I don't see them really doing anything. You know, but Dallas is pretty much a a, a wing with Luka away from being very relevant. I mean, they're already relevant, but... They can hit. They can hit on this draft. I think they'll get R.J. Hampton, which will be perfect for Luca. I think, um, and and with K.P. and Kali Stein, if he stays there, you know. But what if like Andre Drummond found himself with the Clippers? Um, I I kind of I kind of like that. And here's what else I like. I mean, once again. It's a catastrophic cap situation uh, that is not helped with them only having uh, eight draft picks right. for the foreseeable future. Right. Uh, so you basically have to renounce every cap hold you have, including Montrez Harrell, mm-hmm. and find a way to give up for Drummond, who's going to be a $25 million contract, probably Beverly plus Williams, and you don't want to do this, but you're going to have to, uh, some youngish assets... Yeah. Um, Landry, Landry uh, Shamet is yeah. probably the, the juiciest option. Yep. Maybe Terrence Mann looks like a little bit of something. He looks a little bit of something. I, Ivica Zubak, fine. They're higher on him than I am. Yes. They're higher um, on him. They're higher on him than he is. <laughs> but if you're the Clippers, and you think put up or shut up, and you go for Drummond. And frankly, maybe you try to get Bledsoe back uh, from the Bucks yep. and help them out a little bit. Mm-hmm. And you basically run it with uh, Bledsoe, George, Kawhi, uh, <laughs> uh, Drummond, and uh, doesn't have to be a, a minimum contract, but someone you can get with uh, kind of the MLE, whether that be uh, an Alex Burks, uh, Jordan Clarkson. Uh, there's another name I kind of like on the free agent market that I'm forgetting right now. Then just do it, but do it with the knowledge that this could look real bad in two to three years. But you made a commitment, and if Kawhi and Paul George just walk away, your your cap is clean, rebuild. Hey, they might have to do that. You're going into a new stadium. You might just, I, I don't know. You, you <clears throat> It might be time to just trade Paul George right now. You know, just, hey, you know what, Sacramento? Give me Buddy Hield and Marvin Bagley. You can have Paul George. And we'll take Harrison Barnes off your hands, too. You know, just be, for this contract. You know, I, I think the the assets that they gave up for Paul George, and excuse the chicken in the background, our neighbor has a, a rooster. So if you hear that, yeah, that's exactly what that is. Um, sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, dinner. <laughs> that's me. Dinner's ready. <laughs> You're like carving a steak knife right now. Exactly. Yes, I am. You know, I I think the model that Sam Presti is creating, these teams need to start doing the same thing. Because I'm I'm of the mindset of why go eighth seed, get bounced in the first round, you don't get a lottery pick to be the eighth seed again next year. You know, it, it doesn't make any sense. I'd rather blow it up struggle for a year or two, you know, don't do like Minnesota though, because I don't think LaMelo ball is the, is the, the pick for them. But if you have a few picks and just, just make sure that your scouting department and your player development department are on, 
on their P's and Q's and develop these young guys, and then let's just wait and see what happens. Well, here's my my question, right? Um, I hearken back kind of to 1998, 1999, uh, the Bulls, right? Yeah. Are we going to break up this championship core? Well, they did. Yeah. And we look back and say, boy, if they had just been a little more patient, like what could they have done? Right. Now I look at the Clippers and we're saying, do you want to break up this core? Well, tell me, what has this core won? Nothing. This core is not coming off six championships. No. This core just won 49 games and absolutely pants themselves in the playoffs. Yes. I believe it is more important to blow something up a year too early than it is a year too late. Definitely. And you do not want to run run into a situation where you are capped out and you are left with a, a Kawhi and a Paul George-sized hole in your roster. Because you can be one of two things. You can be last year's Raptors and maybe look a little funky, a little juicy, and maybe get into the playoffs. Or you can look like every team LeBron has ever left that didn't trade him when they probably should have. Exactly. Uh, and you just struggle. So uh, I think we're on the same page here. I mean, you, if you, the best thing you can do is trade Paul George, maybe you don't even have to tank. Trade Paul George for for two pieces as opposed to one. Yep. Just get younger and healthier and yep. strong Kawhi with pieces that fit uh, on paper rather than just look good on photograph. Because I'll tell you, Buddy Hill and Harrison Barnes for Paul George looks better than Paul George. Oh, no doubt. And you know. uh, frankly, you might be able. And uh, you have that Houston connection. Uh, not Houston connection. Well, they do have Monty McNair, but you do have that desire, I believe, from the Kings to start getting, uh, to start moving forward. Definitely. Uh, starting people around Bagley and, well, even Bagley might even go in the trade. Yeah, but he can go in that trade, people too. people around De'Aaron Fox, right? Right. Uh, and, and see if you can get him a number two. Uh, so I would have no problem with that. Definitely no problem with that. I mean, I think that, um, same thing with, like I said, with Washington. Hey, you know, you can't get rid of John Wall's contract. No one's going to take that, you know, but and Bradley Bill's a heck of a player. But to get a number two pick to get Andrew Wiggins with that to possibly get the T-Wolves pick next year, you know, it might be time to, to I mean, or Washington's going to continue to be the eighth seed again, you know. And so those teams have to start thinking, hey, do I want to stay at this eighth seed or do I want to drop down to 12th seed for a couple of years and reload? So that when these teams get older, when Giannis moves, if he does move, you know, like same thing with Milwaukee. Okay, Giannis has them at like where he wants them, but they're not going to win anything and they're not going to be able to get anybody because they have too many contracts that that the cap is is overblown. So maybe I do trade Giannis now and get a bunch of assets to go along with it and just kind of kick back and wait. I'm not sure. Well, I tell you what, I mean, uh. Touching on Washington quick, I do think they should start exploring trading Beal. Yeah. Um, I think ideally, while you want a lot of assets, if you can find a team that's willing to take Wall along with him and maybe take a little less back in a trade, then maybe you do that. But other than that, I think you call the Heat, you call the Nuggets, you might even call the Bulls. You clearly call the Warriors about Beal and uh, you listen long and hard. Yeah. Um. When it comes to Milwaukee, I've spent the last couple uh, couple hours just because I love the trade machine trying to figure out 
something that works for them that doesn't involve them trading Chris Middleton or, God forbid, Giannis. Um, and uh, I couldn't find anything really feasible other than uh, trying to get Drew Holiday uh, for for kind of some expirings and your first, uh, whether that be the back end of your bench, uh, just looking weaker with like, probably you, you trade Eric Bledsoe because that's a salary match, but then like Ursan Ilyasova, DJ Wilson, just expirings and your first round pick, getting a playmaker and then kind of investigating in uh, almost minimum guys uh, to, to supplement your bench maybe taking a risk on a guy like Harry Giles for a two or three year contract that hopefully he can gain value rather than losing it. Uh, but really not committing to anything until you get a decision on Giannis. And unfortunately I believe the Bucks are going to be paralyzed with the Giannis decision because I believe they don't know what to do. I honestly believe Giannis probably doesn't know what to do. And what I'm more interested in that stemming from the Bucks situation is that Dallas and Miami and to some extent, Toronto have very interesting decisions to make in free agency. They're all predicated around reading the TV leaves on Giannis. Yeah. Uh, you don't want to commit to any giant contracts, say uh, Fred Van Fle- uh, Fred Van Fleet, and yep. then find yourself a Giannis list, and you don't want to absorb any large contracts. But also, you don't want to punt the ball and just say, we're not contending and we're not trying to get better. So uh, all three of those teams are in very interesting Giannis-related straits, and... Uh, it's kind of an unenviable situation. The thing with Miami, I, I, I'm, I'm having a conversation with Bam, and I think Pat Riley can do this and say, hey, Bam, we know we can extend you this season, but we have to wait until next season so that we can go and get Giannis. Trust me, we have to do that. And I think Pat Riley has that um, pedigree that Bam would, would be okay with that. As far as Milwaukee, no one wants Eric Bledsoe. I mean, if you think about it, exactly right. you know, and, and then if you think about New Orleans, David Griffin gets so much more for Drew Holiday than that's, that's my thing, right? You I know, mean, we, we say, <laughs> we say Eric Bledsoe, a first, some expirings, uh, maybe even Dante DiVincenzo. He doesn't okay, want that. On paper, it works, but who wants Yeah, that? no one. And you're, you're telling me that the Nets couldn't call and say, uh, Dinwiddie, Lavert, some picks maybe even Jarrett Allen. So trades are two-sided, right? Right. And just because I make one in the NBA trade machine that says, oh, let's get Drew Holiday. Well, the reason you do that is because you can't get Chris Paul, right? Exactly. Because he's making $42 million. Right. And you say, well, Drew Holiday's making $20 million less. We need a guy that can play make for Giannis. And sadly, that guy was probably available two years ago and in your current situation is not available now. So you make pipe dream trades like I do, out of a hope, but I don't think that guy on the other end realistically picks up that phone. I mean, even if if Drew Holiday, you know, you can you can say, hey, uh, you probably should have added Kyle Kuzma in and sent Drew Holiday packing back to L.A. You know, I, I see Chris Paul going to L.A. to the Lakers for for Kuzma and that thirtieth pick, but that's all the Lakers really have to offer OKC. And does OKC do they want Kuzma? Maybe. Do they want that 30th pick? Not really. I have 15 others. That 30th pick is, is going to do nothing for me in this draft. You know, for um, Milwaukee, who wants Brooke Lopez? Nobody wants Brooke Lopez. I mean, pe- yes, people want Brooke Lopez and Eric Bledsoe. So I don't want to sound like they're just trash. But for what you want for them, I'm not going to give you Drew Holiday for Eric Bledsoe and Brooke Lopez. That exactly. does nothing for me. 
you get bad contracts or longer contracts, right? right? That does nothing um, for maybe, me. Maybe if Houston's not going to blow it up, they answer your call about Brooke Lopez. And maybe you can, if you throw in something, you try a Robert Covington or a P.J. Tucker. But then once again, you're, you have old, unathletic players right. that supplement an old, unathletic core ran by a guy who's going to be an expiring contract who might leave. It's the ultimate guillotine being over your head. Right. And, and, and OKC doesn't really need any more picks. You know, and right. Milwaukee is only going to be a 27th through 30th pick this next year anyway. Now, you might want to get some futures thinking that, oh, Giannis may leave in a couple years and then they're going to be back in the lottery. But teams like Sacramento, uh, teams like, you know, those teams that are bottom, you know, Phoenix, those teams that have been at the bottom that will have uh, young players and future picks, Chicago, things okay, hey, let's go get a, let's make a, a, a splash. Let's go get James Harden and send Houston back a bunch of picks. Or or like you said, the Clippers, let's go get Buddy Heald in that 12th pick or whatever for Paul George. And you, know, you have to make those kind of moves now because no one wants a 30th pick anymore. They want a top 10 pick or unprotected first rounder and some futures and a young player to go along with it. And Milwaukee is just going to be stuck. You know, Miami is in the perfect position because they have Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson and Bam on those small contracts. So they can go make a splash, you know, but a lot of teams, Portland can't make a move. You know, those types of teams can't make moves. Portland can make a move, right? But they need to do something they've been resistant for doing for four years or so. Right. And that's making a call on CJ McCollum. Right. And probably uh, now making a call about guys like Zach Collins and right. even uh, Anthony Simons, and uh, maybe you you trade them to trade those guys to a team like the Pacers, or yep. and look kind of for an Oladipo Turner picks package. Yep. But it's yep. uh, it will require you being a lot more ambitious and a lot more risk taking than I think those a lot of front offices have shown in the last couple of years. It's called being loyal to a fault. You know, exactly. and, and and like you said, you're right. And, I, and I'll backtrack on that. Portland can make a deal. They just don't seem to want to make that deal, you know, and this is this is called business for a reason. And I know that Dame Lillard and CJ are pretty cool and they're pretty good buddies. But, hey, you want to still get keep getting ousted and, and you know, the first round because Dame's coming up on 50 million pretty soon. And then he's going to be a lot older at that time. So. You want a, a 35-year-old Dame making $50 million a year and, and, and now being the 10th seed? It's, it's kind of like you got to make moves now to get to the future. I mean, being the underdog is fun to a point, right? Right. Being that young and developing guy who comes in and uh, smacks, smacks the better team in the mouth. Now maybe you can be the thun- maybe uh, you can be like that Thunder team, right? And it takes you a couple tricks uh, until you – you get to the NBA Finals, or you can be like that Memphis Grizzlies team that got into slug matches with the Clippers, but mm-hmm. then, like, what's your ceiling? Right. What's your future? Right. I think it needs to be titles, right? Yeah. Uh, and it's it's not. Right. And uh, so uh, you either you know what or get off the pot. It's uh, one, it's eventually. one of those two. You you have no, no other options, you know, and and that older OKC team. I mean. They hit back-to-back-to-back drafts, KD, Westbrook, Harden. And I guess they figured they couldn't pay Harden and then just started the dismantling. 
But at the same time, they were sold out every night. They had a very exciting... I don't think a team like... Or a city like OKC... Not that they didn't have championship aspirations because every team does. But when you're the only show in town, hey, your best is good enough. You know? And I think it's a little bit different in Portland, even though they are the only show in town. But they've won before years ago. And they've been kind of sniffing the mountaintop. But... If they made a move and and just said, hey, CJ, we love you, but we got to go, you know, CJ and and, uh, Zach Collins for Oladipo and and Sabonis or Miles Turner. I mean, that's a huge upgrade in my estimation. Even though I I love even though I love me some Zach Collins, I love Zach Collins. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, the Pacers clear about four million in cap and get CJ McCollum and Zach Collins. Right. How how do you how is that a lose? How do you lose with that? And you know what? If you're the Blazers, and let's say you don't even agree to an extension of Oladipo, well, then you've taken on Miles Turner, who you'll have uh, like two years, about three and a half million dollars left on, on uh, per year on a contract, and you've cleared up twenty one million off your salary. Right. And then you still have Gary Trent Jr. and Anthony Simons right. and. Make another deal. Make another but deal. You can't. You can't keep running it back and hoping that circumstances will break your way. And that's and that's what the Clippers are going to find themselves. They're going to find themselves in a pickle in another year if they don't at least get to the Western Conference <clears throat> Finals. And that's sad to say with a team with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. You're happy. You think that you've made it if you get to the Western Conference Finals. At this point, yes, I believe the expectations were Western Conference Finals this year, and at least taking to the Lakers to Game Seven. Right. And instead, not only did that not happen, but they appear to have kind of awakened a Denver Nuggets team that huh. looks like going to be their intense competition for the next decade. In addition to that, uh, they are the laughing stocks in LA right now, specifically guys like Jared Dudley and. Uh, <laughs> LeBron, who are going on a victory lap and rubbing it in your faces. Definitely. So the Clippers could have been bold. They could have ambitious, been ambitious and made some risks. And instead, you get Tyron, Tyron Lue, who feels like a safer hire to me than the, than would have warranted. And uh, they appear to want to run it back with only a few tweaks. And uh, it's what we've been saying for the last 50 minutes, right? You can't keep chasing a dream as, it, as it's running away from you. Yep. Because eventually you're going to slip and that thing's going to lap you. Period. I mean, LeBron had a fall, uh, last year was a fall off year and that's fine. You know, they were anticipating Anthony Davis showed up and then they came in and they did what they had to do. The Warriors had an off, uh, off year. Um, but even the Warriors, they still are going to be scary. No, even, either they keep the pick or they make the trade, they're going to get something back from that, and they're going to be right back there batting the Lakers, and the Clippers are going to still be looking up at both of those teams. Yep. While, New, mean, or- while New Orleans and Dallas and Denver are getting better and better and better. And you asked me to put money on it right now. Uh, I have L.A. slipping to four, and maybe even, uh, the Clippers slipping to four, and maybe even five. Yep. Because... That Lakers team's not going anywhere. Nuggets are only getting better. Yeah. Frankly, Mavericks are probably getting better. Oh, yeah. And then you got the Suns and the Grizzlies who are wild cards, and that Warriors team is just ready. 
Definitely. And that's why if you're Portland, you're like, hey, I'm just going to be middle of the pack here getting beat up in the first round because the first the top four teams are going to be Lakers, Warriors, Denver and probably the Clippers. So Portland's not going to beat any of those teams. Not a chance. Not going to be. Any, and then you got the youngins coming up, the Phoenix, the the Memphis, the uh, New Orleans and Dallas, you know, yes. so Portland's going to be like, OK, we got these young guys coming up behind us that can also beat us. And we got these OGs on top of us that can definitely beat us. So let's make a move. <laughs> I know, it, they, they just can't afford to be stagnant any longer. Definitely, definitely. Or they'll, or they'll just run into where they were a decade ago where you, you, know, you gamble on a kid from uh, Weber State and he ends up just being a stone-cold assassin. But that doesn't always happen. You know? sure Sometimes... Doesn't. So, so sometimes you get a Damon Damon Lillard. Sometimes you get a Brandon Roy and have a couple of good years. And sometimes you get a you know like a, a Nasir Little who yeah. uh, oh. you take a gamble on and, and just just doesn't come across. So Oof. you've got the assets, move or don't. But the rest of the league is moving forward. Definitely, definitely. You've been watching this World Series. I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, um, I have. Okay, uh, kind of for a lack of really nothing else to do. Right. Um, I used to be a huge baseball fan, mm-hmm. like obsessively. So, uh, and then as the white Sox got worse and worse, I kind of phased out. Now the white Sox are good again. So I'm a huge white Sox fan, but yeah. I'm watching this world series. And I'll be honest, I feel like my, uh, my father does where he watches a team. And he's like, who are these guys? You're right. Uh, cause I mean, the Rays are impressing me, but if you had put a gun to my head and say, Name this outfield. Well, guess what? Start digging that grave. Definitely. Um, so Definitely. Uh, it's and, it's entertaining me to a point, yeah. And even the Dodgers in themselves. I mean, like like same thing with you. Baseball was my first love. You know, I was I grew up on Ricky Henderson and and Mark McGuire, Jose Canseco. I can name that starting lineup front to back. The pitching staff of Dave Stewart and Mark Mulder and oh no, that's the second team. Dave Stewart and Storm Davis and Bob Welch and those guys. You know. And then we went on with the Giambi brothers and those guys. But now baseball is not really, you know, doing it for me. I I, I could name other teams starting outfield. It, only people I know on, on the Dodgers are Clayton Kershaw and Bellinger. And, and that's it. <laughs> you know, I don't know how baseball lost me, but they did. And I, I with COVID happening, I'm sure L.A. would would be on fire right now with the Lakers winning and maybe the Dodgers winning in less than two weeks apart. But it's, it's just, it doesn't do anything for me. You know, um, once the A's lost the playoffs, I was done. <laughs> I, I mean, I was the same way. Uh, once your A's beat my White Sox, right. I was done. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but I mean, I'm going to start sounding like that old man yells at cloud thing. <laughs> and look, uh, Moneyball changed my life. Yep. I read it. I was one of those dudes who fell in love with those A's teams. Yep. I still like watching the A's teams. I still like watching Billy Bean try yep. to pull a rabbit out of his hat every yep. couple of years. Mm-hmm. But as analytics have become more important, more and more important, and we've watched the game head towards that, they started to having make rules that would start subtracting analytics from the game. And when that starts to happen, you got a problem. Yesterday, Dave, David Roberts, the Dodgers manager, started a guy. The guy pitched pretty well, 
takes him out after an inning and a half, puts in a guy, has the guy finish the inning with two strikeouts, removes the guy. We're having like three to four pitching changes in the first four to five innings. Right. And I'll be honest, that's unwatchable. That's t- definitely and, unwatchable. And I don't care to an extent, obviously, that the numbers tell you that's the right thing to do. If I'm Ron Manfred and I'm one of those owners, I'm pulling my hair out. Definitely. Because somebody's changing that channel. Yes. Somebody's changing uh, that. And that guy is me. I'm changing that channel. Yeah. It's like, I don't play chess. I don't play poker. But even if I did, I don't think I would watch it. <laughs> exactly, right? I was the same deal with, like, so- soccer. Right. And I feel like I'd be the same way with NASCAR, you know? Like, if I was a NASCAR driver, I'd be like, look at me, I'm driving fast. Exactly. But you're and not going to watch me driving around in a circle for for a couple hours. I'm not. It's go- golf is the same way. Yes. I'm sorry for all the golf fans out there. I know. I'd rather play golf than I would watch it. Definitely. I'd rather play it so than be- watch it. So baseball stands on that precipice, right? Yes. I love so playing I baseball. Was, I love playing it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love it. If I would, Let's say if you and I were neighbors, yep. I go ring your doorbell, right? Mm-hmm. I have a ball in my hand. We'll play catch for an hour. Heck, yeah. We'll have a blast. Oh, yeah. We'll but throw some curveballs. We'll, yeah, we'll throw some fork balls. Right? Definitely. But let's say this. I come to your house with four dudes, right? Mm-hmm. And I say, we're going to play catch for 15 minutes, and then you're going to play catch with this guy, and then my friend... And then his cousin, and then his cousin's barber. Yeah. Like, eventually, that's just diminishing returns, right? Eventually, I'm just wasting your time. It's like, take your ball and go home. <laughs> right? Definitely. It's not fun. Definitely, definitely. So, so whether the, I think the owners need to keep looking at pace of play stuff. I think they need to look at trying to market people a little bit better. I understand Aaron Judge is in Subway commercials, but right. you still put Mike Trout in a police lineup. Half the people aren't going to be able to name him. Right. Start selling the game uh, to people that aren't just uh, sabermetrically inclined and aren't just, you know, over the age of 60. And uh, that's going to be a lot of hard choices. But until then, you're going to have Dodgers raise uh, World Series that are exciting to everyone but the layman. And the layman is who paid the bills. You know, the only thing I'm kind of just waiting to see is if J-Lo and A-Rod get the Mets. And that's sad. Well, if Jerry Reinsdorf has his way, that will happen. Yep, definitely. Uh, you're having a bit of a power struggle with uh, Steve Cohen and Reinsdorf and the owners. So, um, I mean, speaking of ownership, wouldn't you agree that the best thing that the MLB could have done was let Mark Cuban just buy the Rangers or the Cubs a decade ago? Yes. Um, start getting some personalities in. And instead they said, no, that we're old, we're stodgy, we uh, respect the game. And, mm-hmm. and uh, guess what? Um, it sucks. It, it, it sucks <laughs> so, bad. Take a risk. Take let's a risk. Make it, let's make it. A, let's give New York a sideshow because you know what? It's that kind of town. And guess what? A Rod, watching him as an analyst, he knows what he's doing. Oh, he's, a- he's I fun. love A Rod now. He's got deep pockets. He'll find the right people. Let's have him and let's have J Lo be the first lady of the New York Mets. I'll watch at least three Mets to games. That's my promise. I can definitely to Rob do Manfred that. Rob Manfred in Major League Baseball. You got me give for it to three. Steve Cohen. Whatever, right? Give it to a Wall Street guy. He has deep pockets. Maybe he'll spend money. Maybe he won't. I, I'm not tuning in. You know, I'm not tuning in. Definitely, definitely. Hey, Sean, thanks again, man, for coming out and hanging out with me. Um, our next episode, we're going to get back into that draft that's going to be coming up. It's going to be right before that, you know. Um, I cannot wait. I, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm ready, man. I'm ready for that draft to be tomorrow. I'm definitely ready for that draft to be tomorrow. One question. 
Do the T-Wolves take LaMelo Ball? If they do not trade out of that pick, yes. But I believe I will give you a 65% chance from where I'm standing that they trade that pick right now. Wow. I don't. Does LaMelo and D'Angelo work together, though? No. Exactly. They do not work together, but guess what? Anthony, Anthony uh, Edwards, I believe, does not work next mm. to D'Angelo Russell. And I don't really believe James Wiseman works next to Carl Anthony Towns. Right. Um, I believe uh, they probably need to be more focused on guys like Obi Toppin. Yeah. But you cannot justifiably get that guy with the first overall pick. So you, can't. you trade it or you get LaMelo Ball. Hope he develops a, a shot and a, a defense because even if he doesn't, you still have a six foot seven guy who can make. Thanks again, Sean, for coming in and hanging out. I really appreciate you, man. You make me look good. So I, I'm not going to take advantage of that. Well, yeah, I am going to take advantage of it, but thanks again for that. Just one quick note, you guys. The CDC came out with a new definition of close contact. That means being within six feet of someone with the virus for a total of 15 minutes or more over a 24-hour period. You know, we're seeing the NFL having some issues with COVID-related interaction. Um, it's a big, it's an effect on schools and offices. So be careful out there. Wash your hands. Watch who you hang around. We can party next year, you guys. We don't have to. We don't have to go out and do things today. Um, so just be safe out there. Until we meet again. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube